because the sanctuary brings aid to us. It brings help to us. It brings who God is to us, our biblical perspective of the God that we worship. And we see that and it encourages us. And we're cheered on by not just a cloud of witnesses that we can't see, but by uh, witnesses of these same truths that confirm in us this faith that we believe and we hold dear and near to our hearts. From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome back to another excellent episode of the Living the Word podcast, where we seek to love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of the flux capacitor upstairs. I'm flux here capacitor. with- Yes. That, is that Back to the Future? It is Back to the Future. That's that, amazing. That was kind of clever. Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yes. No, wait, wait, no, no. Who was the who, uh, Doc- Doc- uh, Brown. Doc Brown. Yes. Yeah. With the crazy hair. Yes. Amazing. Yes. I, n- I never know what, what you're going to say. That's awesome. <laughs> Flux capacity. Uh, well 88 played. miles per hour. Uh, well, we are going to talk about this morning uh, the church family and how it is the body of Christ and it rallies at times of difficulty and we support each other. And Pastor Ben, have you ever experienced a time in your life where the church body rallied around you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways in which I could talk about that. So many different seasons of my life when I was younger, uh, since I've been married, but I guess whatever is the nearest to you, what has happened most recently is what sticks out. So many of you know that are listening to the podcast that are a part of our church family. My wife uh, had has just l- had lost her brother in February of this year. Uh, and then uh, her mom got diagnosed with cancer two months after her brother died. So uh, she went home to be, be with the Lord in June of this year. So February and June were difficult months for our family. And so, you know, we expressed those things to our church family. Uh, we obviously had the funeral for my brother-in-law in February. Then we let the church know my, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. And and just, it really was just amazing and such a blessing to see brothers and sisters in Christ when we're in that moment, just to rally and to come alongside us. Um, we had so much food. It was unbelievable. We just kept getting meals and brownies and uh, spaghetti and nachos and just people just letting us know in tangible ways that they think of us, they care for us. And so, yeah, I mean, I could keep talking for for a long time about all different ways. We have an amazing church. Yeah, we do. And uh, so, yeah, definitely. Well, we have a special guest this morning. We have Paul Mason, Pastor Paul Mason, and you're here from Living Waters Church in Seguin, Texas. Wife is Brooke, and you have three kids, Joel, Jenna, and Liam. I do. And I also hear tell that you're a Cajun transplant. Where are you from? Well, I'm just outside of New Orleans, and so I am kind of a part of the Cajun mafia, <laughs> uh, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, just uh, and pastored in some Cajun cities uh, down through the course of our ministry as well, but Love LSU, go Tigers, and uh, love New Orleans Saints, and uh, was there for 20 years of my life. So yeah, I'm a Cajun, have a lot of Cajun friends, and love Cajun food, and uh, great to be with you guys. Now, I, now look, so you, you you preached for us on Sunday, yep. right? Did an amazing job. You preached on Sunday morning Thanks, on prayer, and then you did our, wed- our, our marriage night on Sunday night. And so, you know, you've been here for a couple of days. We've been interacting with you, and you told me that when you're in Texas, you root for the Dallas Cowboys. So I don't know how you can actually say that you are a Saints fan if you root for the Dallas Cowgirls at the same time. This is real talk, and we're real friends, so we (laughs) roast each other. Uh, But my dad loved Tony Dorsett. Okay. And, uh, and of course, Roger Staubach. But at our roots, 
if it was New Orleans against the Cowboys, we're rooting Saints. So if, so. if somebody cut you and you bled, yes, it's New Orleans Saints blood. Yes, but don't okay. tell my church people that. I'm glad I'm talking to your church people about okay. this. All right. so. not, not they, not they, they yeah. may listen to this. Right. All right. All right. Well, great. Well, so we are glad to have you. Uh, you're such a great friend of me and my wife and my family. So we just want to hear your story. Yes. And um, around the subject of how the church family rallies around yeah. us during times of crisis. And so, so tell us about your upbringing. How did, how, how were you raised and what, what was your home life like? Yeah. Raised uh, in and around a lot of pastors in my family, five generations of pastors. And so all of us are preachers. And so raised in uh, just a small Christ centered Bible centered church in new Orleans. My dad pastored there with my mom and uh, they started that church in 1966. I came around in 1973. And so that's when I was uh, born, nine pounds, 14 and a half ounces, three <laughs> weeks early and a lot of prayer. Three weeks early. <laughs> oh yeah. And so I was a big, ugly baby. And, uh, and so a lot of our people in our church actually pray for my mom because she almost died when she had me. Uh, and so I came on the scene then. My kids often say, you're born way back in the 1900s. You're such a dinosaur, Paul. And so anyhow, they don't understand dad being that old way back in the 1900s. But I was born, <laughs> raised in the church. Uh, gosh, we had church every day, like how we had church back then. Did you have Sunday night service back we then? We did. Yeah, man, we had. That's yeah, a true Christian. Yes. Wednesday nights as well. And and so you're just always up there. But we, we really learned how to love the church. We were just, um, you know, all of our family. I'm a middle kid, so a shout out to all the middle children out there. Uh, younger brother, older sister, and so the five of us. And uh, at five years old, I came to a level of understanding about uh, my need for Christ. And I remember walking into my master bedroom of, of my mom and dad, and they invited me in, and I was convicted. Actually, I actually stole some candy from a, <laughs> a little Winn-Dixie, and, and it was in my pocket, and they started asking me questions, and I started hiding uh, the candy, and then I finally confessed, and I felt convicted about it, and I said, Mom and Dad, pray for me because I need Christ in my heart. And wow. right then, it turned into this moment, a conversion moment. Wow. And they prayed with me, and I cried happy tears. And I remember distinctly that was the conversion moment for me, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And then I had an early love for the Bible mm -hmm. and for the church. And uh, I got recruited to play the drums on a Sunday morning spontaneously. Everybody on my stage either sings uh, or plays the organ or plays mm. the piano. And one Sunday morning, my dad said, uh, Paul, we have a drum set that's up here on the stage and it was given by somebody, but nobody can play. And so you're recruited. So he drafted me on a Sunday morning and I got up there having no prior knowledge of how to play the drums at all. And that's how I learned how to get on the worship team. And you learn in a hurry when you're in front of a couple hundred people yes. every single Sunday. And so I started using my giftings and going to VBS and Sunday school and all the things and kids camp and youth camp. And then at 12 years old, I got baptized on an Easter Sunday morning mm. by my dad. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Wore a suit and, uh, and he, he dunked me and it was in front of the whole congregation. I made a public stand for Jesus on that day. And so that was just kind of the, uh, the whole realm of how, how we live was in and around just our family, the dynamics of a, a godly, healthy home. And then and the church being not an organization, we never saw mm. it as like a, like a business uh, of, of sorts. We, we always 
viewed the church as a church family. And so we loved to go because that was our extended brothers and sisters in Christ. And we did life with one another. What, what yeah. a joy the church is. Absolutely. Uh, when you were talking about your shoplifting story, I did, I did have a joke that popped in my mind. I thought you could write a book called From Shoplifting to Christ. That's right. It's <laughs> a great title. Right. That's my story. So, so you talked about getting baptized at 12, right? Yeah. Um, what a powerful thing to have your dad baptize you. Right. Uh, my dad baptized me. I got to baptize, let's see, two of my four kids. Uh, looking forward to baptizing the other two. Yeah. But something happened when you were 14. Yes. Uh, something tragic. And I just have to say this. Okay. So this is not to make light of what we're about to talk about, but we did have our mutual friend, Pastor Matt Bell, on the program. Yes. And uh, his, died, his dad tragically died on a Sunday morning. He was a pastor of a church. At 14, your dad died uh, as a pastor on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So, and I didn't know that uh, prior to like a few days ago. Yes. I knew your dad had died when you were young. So I just want to know that this podcast, you're not recruiting all the, all the pastors <laughs> who have had dads, right. dads that died on a Sunday morning. Right. But that just happens to be your story. So, so tell us about that. What, what, you know, your, your life obviously changed at 14. Yeah. So tell us what happened there. Yeah. So obviously it's an, it's a memorable, unforgettable Sunday. Um, and it was Palm Sunday morning, uh, March 27th, 1988. And we just got up to go to church. Uh, my parents had a drug problem. They dragged us off to church <laughs> and planted us in the house of God. And so we, we just, we just never, we never missed at all. And dad preaches and all of us are on the worship team. And, and so it's time for him to do the sermon. And so we're on the front row in our pews at our church, uh, called Calvary Christian Church. And on that particular Sunday morning in the middle of his sermon, He's sharing a story, and in the middle of his illustration, uh, he just walks down off of the platform over to where we were, and within about an arm's reach of us, just fell face first, had a massive heart attack in front mm -hmm. of the our family and the whole church. Uh, so anyhow, um, needless to say, uh, that was a, a Sunday morning that nobody knew how to react. Um so there was all kind of spontaneous uh, outcries and prayers being prayed and a rushing up to the front. In fact, there was a doctor who was there and he made his way from the back pew and just rushed up towards the front and turned my dad over and began to start uh, administering CPR. And uh, the last thing as far as his account of it and he reported to us was my dad had a smile on his face his eyes were closed and he was praying mm. so he went out praying and uh what's amazing and I, I believe the supernatural side of the story is my dad almost i don't know how much he knew of it but it was almost like babe ruth calling the shot you know pointing his bat out and then hitting the home run but to back up a couple of weeks before uh dad almost kind of called the shot on how he would end his life. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how much he had a knowledge of that, but a couple of weeks before he was preaching on the story of, as your viewers would know, uh, Elijah and Elisha. And as dad's preaching this, this sermon on Elijah and Elisha, he, he said, wow, what an incredible story. This, this spiritual father, Elijah, this mentor, and then this mentee, Elisha, this spiritual son, and they're walking together in ministry for several years and right up to the very end or the last day of Elijah's life 
on earth was, of course, he was picked up in a whirlwind and taken up to heaven. So, I mean, what a resume, what a portfolio, the guy doesn't die. And so um, as Elijah is being picked up, what he had said to Elisha, his servant, his spiritual son was, if you see me when I go, you'll have a double portion. And of course, Elisha asked in a big way, in a prayer kind of way, like, can I have a double portion of your spirit? He goes, well, if you're there with me on the last day and you see me go, then you'll get it. Mm-hmm. And he goes up in a whirlwind and then the mantle, of course, the calling fell on the next generation on Elisha and he caught it and then did double the amount of miracles actually that Elijah did. Elijah did 14 and Elisha did 28. So mm-hmm. it was two for one. Mm-hmm. So what a miraculous story that was. And so my dad is preaching about that sermon. And while he's preaching that sermon, a couple of weeks before he actually went up to heaven, uh, he said, wow, what a way to go. In fact, he he actually kind of interrupted himself and he said, if I would like to go one way, mm-hmm. I would love to go preaching the gospel, loving this local church. Wow. In fact, if you have to take me out of here boots first or shoes first or whatever, that's the way I would love to go. If I were to make the call and you make a if, choice. I, if I were to have a selection on how to go, yeah. I'd like to go like Elijah did. And then he continued with his sermon. <laughs> and just two weeks later, uh, you know, he didn't finish that particular sermon on that Palm wow. Sunday, Sunday morning. So we as a church family on the front pew uh, saw our our dad, our spiritual mentor, my best friend, uh, Bill Mason, go to be with Jesus, doing the thing that he loved to do in front of his church, pastoring that church, preaching. And then the Lord, I believe, just hugged him a little bit too hard that day <laughs> and squeezed him right out of time and space, right into eternity. And, uh, and we saw him go. And the last thing he was doing was praying. And so we saw that. And uh, the whole church, for that matter, uh, saw him go. And uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that you never forget. (laughs) Dom and I talked about that, you know, prior to the podcast. And uh, what were your thoughts? That's that's just one of the most profound ways that a lover and a preacher of the Bible could go. You know, you're going out with your boots on, on the front line. Yeah. You know, that's beautiful. So what we talked earlier, what was it that he said? What was the last words he said as he was preaching? Yeah, I was kind of thinking through that a little bit. And we actually have an old school tape, an audio cassette (laughs) And uh, it wasn't too long ago. My son now, his name is Joel as well. I know, Pastor Ben, your son's name is Joel. And, mm-hmm. and my son plays the drums. Your son plays the drums on worship. our worship teams now. And and uh, we went back and just listened to the tape probably two months ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a 21-minute sermon because he didn't finish the whole sermon. Mm-hmm. He finished half or so of the sermon. And and my, my son came in and goes, uh, do you have any? I, I've never heard the voice of my grandpa, hmm. of Papa Bill. Dad, do you have any, you know, audio audio recordings? And I said, yeah, we got some some tapes. Hmm. And so I, we walked into my closet and he goes, what's that? And I said, well, you play that on a Walkman. He goes, well, what's that? <laughs> and so uh, he's staring at this Walkman. He has no idea how to, like, you got to flip the tape over and then there's no fast forward, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So once we figured out how to do that, or I knew how to do it and he didn't know how to do it, he listens to my dad's voice for the first time. And it was That's actually pretty the, it was the last sermon. And so we listened to it and cried together uh, mm-hmm. for about 21 minutes. And uh, I timed it. And that was the first time I timed it. And his last words were, God heals. And uh, and so, and then you hear the thump. Oh, wow. And oh. so you, it's because the micro, lapel microphone was on his, on his tie. Wow. And so he fell face first. And so that was... Uh, 
that was it. So we just kind of, you know, Joel and I just kind of stood staring at one another and, and crying and, and just kind of taking in that, in that moment. And, you know, Psalm ninety twelve says that wisdom speaks to us because we need to be considerate of our last days because we don't know if we have a long time or a short amount mm-hmm. of time. He didn't know when he started the sermon that day, he's got 21 more minutes. Mm. And so uh, while we go back and look at it, it's like he's got 10 minutes left on earth and he has no idea. He's mm. got eight minutes left on earth. He's got five mm. minutes left. He's got two minutes left on earth. He has no idea. Mm. But he's still talking about the character of God. He saves, he heals. Wow. What so a, that's, what how, that's how he went out. <laughs> so we had a great prayer moment right there about wow. Joel saying, I would love to do what Papa Bill does. And because uh, all of us are preachers and of course, I, I've never pushed him in that direction, but I think something birthed inside of him, sparked mm. inside of his heart that day. Like, man, that would that'd be like the way that all of us would want to go, right? Yeah. It's pleasing the Lord. Absolutely. So, 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 you talked a little bit about how there was a reaction in the the room whenever your your dad fell over. As mm-hmm. you said, you heard the thump on the audio, and you had a doctor go up CPR. Yeah. And you, I can imagine there's prayers and interceding and, pr- yes. and things going on and a lot of tears in that moment. But I guess just to kind of continue our conversation about how the church rallies around us at our lowest points. I mean, this is difficult. You're 14 years old. Right. You know, you just lost your father figure, your 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 father, your best friend, as you said. Can you talk to us a little about how the church rallied around you and your family and how did God use them to bring healing. Your dad said, last words, God heals. How did God use your church family to bring healing? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And we needed the church like we had already previously needed the church, but so much more than we needed the one another's Mm -hmm. um, and the family of God to rally around what was a hurtful situation. the whole church was kind of in a tailspin at that moment. It was, it was chaotic. Uh, people were screaming, people Mm. were crying. Uh, an elder jumped on me and my brother on the first pew to shield us from what was going on Mm. to cover us up and to kind of be a spiritual mentor to us in that moment and pray prayers into our ears while the doctor's working on my dad that day. And, uh, I could hear my mom praying, um, and so, you know, you're believing in that moment and you're, you're trusting God's plan um, with it all. And so the Lord, it was his last day. It was the Lord taking him that day. And it just did not take long. It was an immediate response to meeting the urgent needs and the care for our family and how the church rallied together in a sticky way Uh to provide tangible ways of just not just providing meals, but prayer and being there. I mean, my mom's now a widow, Mm. Uh, you know, God's our father to the fatherless, but then there was people who stepped in and became spiritual fathers in a, in a very visible way. Mm. The gospel made visible uh, through his church family, through hands Mm. that literally were reaching in our direction. And that's what the church is all about. It's supposed to, uh, we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we're supposed to weep with those who weep. We didn't know what our next days look like, but I remember the Wednesday after that Sunday, uh, the church was packed on a Wednesday night I service, bet it was. Yeah. and everybody was giving testimonies of the faithfulness of my dad and his legacy, and we're just hearing this encouragement and people in our corner, and that was the church. And, and so I, I remember one of the uh, worship 
directors at that time. His name was Walt Parker, and Walt was a spiritual son of one of my dad, uh, of my dad. And so, and then Walt just stood up at the end of this, probably a couple of hours of just people giving testimonies of his life and ministry. Uh, Walt said, let's just all stand together as a church family and just extend, wrap our arms around, extend our hands towards the Mason family because my spiritual father, this is what he says, uh, Bill Mason was preaching on Elijah and Elisha and the Mason family saw their dad go. And so just like Elisha who saw Elijah go, uh, let's just pray a double portion over the Mason family, over Matt, over Paul, over Lori, over my mom, Paulette. And so what was intended for, I believe, the enemy to limit us through something of a hurtful situation, God had something that superseded that. And it was intended for, it was God's plan to launch us into, we need the church for healing and to process the pain, embrace the pain, but we need one another uh, in order for us to have a trajectory that would get us going into ministry. And that's exactly what happened. I love the, the phrase you use, that the, the church became sticky. Yes. I've never, I never, I never heard it put quite like that, but isn't that what we're talking about here? Like. Yeah. Like when you're going through a difficult time, you need people to stick to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, need, yeah. you need people to be close to you and to be sticky and like yes. glue in your life. Were there any specific men, and we're talking about spiritual fathers, that stuck to you, that yeah. clung to you during that season, your 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, your teenage years, you're, you know, you're becoming a man. Formative. Yeah. Yeah. Were there any men that stand out to you that God used as spiritual fathers? Yeah, there's probably three guys that uh, maybe four that I could name. You know, we've all heard thousands and thousands of sermons if you've been raised in church. And a lot of sermons we probably couldn't you know, remember or recite. Um, but names you can and people who mm-hmm. get close to you, you can. So three sermons I probably can't remember, but three names I can. (laughs) So it was those three spiritual fathers. One of them was an elder in our church. Uh, The other one was my brother-in-law, who was a lot like my dad, who came into our family, married my sister, met her at LSU, by the way. He was actually an LSU football player, and God called him into the ministry. And so, and with that, he stepped in and said, you know, in this absence of not having a Bill Mason, the Lord has put a burden on my heart. Uh, to be there for these boys, which was my brother and I. And we actually, mom got remarried, moved to Costa Rica and uh, married a missionary. And so my sister and brother-in-law actually bought my dad and mom's house and they were newly married and they just said, come on in, you know, Matt and Paul, y'all are in high school and you're kind of processing all of this without having a dad. I'll be a spiritual dad for you. And they opened up their arms as a newly married couple and said, we'll basically adopt you and be your youth pastor, uh, be your spiritual father. And so to have people like that walk with you through it all, it was just huge. That's uh, pretty compelling. That's pretty compelling. (laughs) You're so generous too. Like your mom moves to Costa Rica. (laughs) Yeah. And so you're in high school, though, right? So yes. you, whatever school you're at, it's not like you want to up and move to Costa Rica. Yeah, right. So then your sister your sister and her husband are yeah. kind of taking you in. Wow. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so and then there's a, another man as well. And so thank God for those three gentlemen who stepped in big time in a huge way in my life. I wonder in formative how, years. I wonder how many... How many young men are like that in, in our churches? You know, like at, at Living Word Church, at Living Waters Church. Yeah. How many young men... Uh, maybe not have have lost uh, their father physically, mm-hmm. but maybe they need that spiritual mentorship 
And what an opportunity I think that is for for men to be able to step up and to, to fill those roles. And we may not be asking young men to move in with us and, you know, that type of role. Yeah. But I just think it's such a great need for spiritual fathering. Well, they went the extra mile. I mean, he uh, went above and beyond with their hospitality and, and generosity and welcoming us into uh, his heart. And then he was my youth pastor. And so I had a lot of questions. I had some bitterness. I had some things that um, I needed to get off my chest. And so, and my brother as well. And so with his constant voice, these three men, their voice in our lives, um, it, it galvanized our convictions. And then we began to start saying, yeah, God's reigniting this call and we can't get away from it because the Lord planted that in our hearts years ago. And we want to start pursuing Bible college and ministry. And that's that's the path we got onto. But these guys really helped us, uh, prompt us in that direction. Thank you, Paul. I, I really agree about needing spiritual fathers. Uh, as a youth pastor, I see that all the time. You know, it's uh, when we were in Destin, there was probably nine out of 10 of students didn't have a real father. Hmm. And so there is a huge need in the church for spiritual fathers. Uh, you know, what you're talking about is where the rubber meets the road for Christianity. A lot of people who criticize the church, they they talk about how everything Christianity is just all about faith. Everything is just ethereal. It's all mental. It's all emotional. But right here is where the church of God becomes the hands and feet of Jesus. And it reminds me of, of 1 John 4, and it says, no one has ever seen God. Okay, well, this is creating sort of like a, a vacuum. that No one has ever seen God, but... If we love one another, God lives in us. So he fills that vacuum and his love is made complete in us. Yes. And that's what you described as you're talking about this church coming together, becoming spiritual fathers, becoming the hands and feet of Jesus and supporting your family. And I think that's, that's beautiful. Um, what would you say to people uh, and some of our listeners that maybe have given up on the local church? Maybe COVID has got them just staying home. It's a lot easier to just do church on YouTube. Uh, or, or people that say, well, there's nothing going on at church. You just, you go and you hear a sermon and you go home. How would you respond to people that feel that way? Well, this is the time to one another, one another, because there's a lot of one another's scripturally in the New Testament on how we spur one another to good works, how we encourage one another. We bear one another's burdens. We pray for one another. It just goes on and on about how the early church provides for us a precedent for how we're supposed to gather physically in a tangible way in the house of God, because the sanctuary brings aid to us. It brings help to us. It brings who God is to us, our biblical perspective of the God that we worship. And we see that and it encourages us. And we're cheered on by not just a cloud of witnesses that we can't see, but by uh, witnesses of these same truths that confirm in us this faith that we believe and we hold dear and near to our hearts. Uh, and so the early church, they weren't looking for less ways to gather when they were going through hard times and processing pain and suffering and persecution for that matter. They were looking for how they can meet more. So, in fact, not just on Sunday mornings, but daily, they gave themselves to the apostles teaching and devoted themselves to one another in the sharing of with generosity and in homes as well and providing meals and all the good food, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we need, we need the church more than, more than ever. I was, I was thinking about Psalm 68 verse five at six and it says, 
a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Our church just stepped in and literally we saw this happen uh, in my family. Uh, he's a God in his holy dwelling and God sets the lonely in families and he leads forth the prisoners with singing. And so that's, we need the local church because they step in into our lives, not just in the, the high times, but also the hard times as well. And thank God, I love the local church. It's the hope of the world. Hey, Amen. I, 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 um, I love your story, Paul. I love, um, thanks. I love your heart for, for the Lord. Love your heart for the for the, the local church. And you know, I, I like you as 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 a pastor leading a church, especially through COVID. You know, when that all happened, it was so much uncertainty around everything in general. But then as we started getting a handle on what was going on and uh, we started to come getting some type of normalcy back, you know, I'm sure you were as shocked as I was to see how many people yes. did not come back, did not reconnect with the, the local church, didn't get sticky again, as you said, right? The, the yeah. sticky church, we, we stopped sticking to one another and we, we just isolated our, ourselves. And I think when we do that, um, when we stay in, the, in, in that uh, mindset, it, we really do lose our, leave ourselves open and vulnerable to the enemy and his attacks on our lives. And so I just thank you for sharing your, your, your story and how God used the local church in a powerful way. It was great being with you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mason, for coming to be with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our episode for today. And uh, God bless you guys. Like, like, rate, and subscribe, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're trying to go viral. We are. No, we're, we're not. We're already viral. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> in our hearts. In our hearts. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic, or an idea for a future episode, or learn more about Living the Word podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Bufkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to living the Word.